0: Players gather to cast powerful spells, some of the oldest and most powerful in the history of Magic the Gathering. Murktide Regent, Dragon's Rage Channeler, Expressive Iteration, and some others. Battling head to head in brutal combat, they all have one thing in common to uphold their legacy and the search for eternal glory.
1: The Eternal Glory Podcast is brought to you by the minds behind Bashan and Roll on YouTube, Thurban University, and TheEpicStorm.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to episode 64 of the Eternal Glory podcast, Raga Band at Last. I'm Phil Gallagher, joined by Bryant Cook and Brian Goble. How are y'all doing tonight?
1: Just great, Phil. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Uh, Raga GTFO. Uh, that's good news. Um, I'm sure we'll dig into it in a little bit here, uh, but it's just a taste of the good news we were hoping for, but it's a step, a big one, and I'm yeah, in. Just, uh... A little amuse bouche, you know.
2: Just some uh, horse divorce. Just uh, just get us ready for the, the the future bands to come in. I don't know, two, three, seven months. You know, whenever.
0: Uh, seven months after Modern Horizons three.
2: Oh right, yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. Um, silliness aside. Uh, in my off time, I've been playing some some Hades. Uh, one of the people on my Discord like just picked up the game. And was like, this game's really fun. And they started talking about it. And then I was like, oh no. Am I going to spend another 20 hours playing this game now that I've remembered it exists? Yes. Yes, I am. So that was kind of my, my free time digression for the last couple weeks since we previously recorded. And since we previously recorded, the school situation has gotten wonkier. Because now, in addition to COVID absences, we're also dealing with actual winter weather so, we have all these like snow days and random like remote days where kids may or may not actually do work, and it's been all sorts of crazy, like we were at school one or two days last week uh the days we were there had random delays, just it feels like a circus
0: right now, and i'm I want normalcy <laughs> so bad, I think we all do, yeah, trying to get around to my clients right now where it's just COVID whack a And then, uh, I, same, like I'm in the American Northeast. It's January. This is when the snow comes through around these parts. And it's been steadily snowy. And when it's not snowy, it's cold. And when it's not cold, it's just warm enough to melt the snow. Then it gets cold again. Recipe for ice. Good luck out there, idiots. Like, it's, and uh, Bryant's laughing from Syracuse where they know how to handle this stuff. Like, upstate New York gets more snow and they just live with it it's fine uh but pittsburgh is like right on the line where we always get snow but we never know what to do with it (laughs) And it's just like really annoying as a person who has to live here it's like why haven't we figured this out this is a snowy city come on
2: and we had like two inches of snow and it fucking demolished us like we were just not ready oh yeah (laughs) the technology is not here
0: yeah the the carolinas don't know how to do that at all
2: yeah, country back roads around the school that are twisty and turny in the first place, followed by like snow and ice and stuff when there aren't plows, is it's impossible.
0: Tokyo drift, baby.
1: Syracuse is actually uh, it gets double Lake effect snow. So if you're unfamiliar, lake effects snow—it's just heavier. You know, it comes down more often. Well, if you type into Google like snowiest cities in the United States, Syracuse without a doubt is always in the top five year after year. And with having being on a lake itself, and then having the Great Lakes right above us, Syracuse just gets pounded every year. And I'm definitely in the wrong city because I hate the snow so much. I do not like being cold. Yeah,
0: I grew up, or, or didn't grow up. I lived at. Briefly, in my young life in Rochester, that's where my family's from, so uh, they're right on Lake Ontario, so Canada snow is just dumping on them all the time, and I'm pretty used to it. I I hate snow driving. I like looking out my window at snow. I like when I don't have to go anywhere. I like snow days from work. All of those are fun, but yeah, uh, snow driving uh, is a no for me, dog. Oh yes, the the
2: ra- romantic notion of snow itself, the the platonic ideal of snow is is wonderful.
0: I got actually snowed in at a magic tournament last weekend, the weekend before last, a week and a half ago, the draft holla that I mentioned, where we were just going to draft uh, six times over two days. I I top threed that event, finished third, uh, losing to uh, another Pittsburgh person who lost to Alex Bosteky in the finals. So it was a Pittsburgh top three. Uh, out of four people from Pittsburgh who showed up so we represented the city well but we we started like whispering Saturday of like oh there's snow coming like oh okay I hope it's not bad and then Sunday morning it was like no there's definitely snow coming it's coming at noon and we were like just cracking the packs of the second of three drafts for the day when the snow started coming down and we took Alex's car which is some sort of uh not snowmobile it has like front wheel drive and really not meant for snow driving my all-wheel drive Subaru Outback that is made for this shit was at home safe in my garage I don't know why we didn't have the presence of mind to bring that but we did end up staying an extra night in luxurious Ebensburg Pennsylvania which is part of the highway um I driving to my house, my parents' house, visiting my parents' house from Pittsburgh. I have driven through Evansburg dozens, maybe a hundred times and never knew it was there. I thought it was a sheets just on the side of the road, but turns out that's a whole town and people live there. (laughs) And I got to spend an extra night in their finest quality. inn.
2: hold on. I'm going to be a YouTube commenter for a moment. Should have played around it.
0: And yeah, I, I mean, that was basically the text I got from my girlfriend. Uh, I was like, hey, it looks like we're going to have to stay another night here because of the snow. And she's like, why didn't you take the outback? It's like, god damn it. You know everything. You are correct. I am a big dumb man. So, Brian, how are things on your end?
1: Honestly, since the last time we talked, I feel like life hasn't changed. Other than the fact that my wife and I have just been binging a lot of television shows that have come back. Uh, Cobra Kai, for example. I think we talked about that one last time. But she does not like ozark and that came back so i was watching season four on my own and sure enough i would catch her just like peeking into the room i'm like you know you're allowed to like come in and watch this and eventually we just watched season four together but she's not she hasn't seen the first three seasons but by the end of season four well midway point because it's like a half season she's definitely like interested now but has spoilers if she decides to go back i don't know
0: god ozark is such a good show uh my, my girlfriend and I watched the first episode last night, and I don't remember if she actually watched the first three seasons with me. And if she did, it was like sort of a half like, you know, scrolling Reddit or reading articles or whatever with the TV on in the background while I was fully engrossed in this world. So I spent the first episode of season four just explaining who every character is and why they're important and what all the drama is around them. And hopefully that doesn't continue for episode two.
1: I feel anxious watching it. Like, I feel nervous and uncomfortable. Like, I don't know if, like, people like that kind of stuff. But, like, I, like, start sweating when I'm watching it because I get so uncomfortable. Like, it's bad.
0: Which is 100% intentional. Like, uh, spoiler free, uh, Ozark is about a guy who has to money, uh, launder money for the Mexican drug cartel because his business partner got caught stealing. And they they just iced the business partner in front of him. And they're like, you and your family or you can make up this $250 million that your partner stole from us. Like, up to you, buddy. And that's the first scene of episode one. Like, normally a uh, like uh, money laundering white guy in America, like white, uh, white-collar white guy, uh, you get the ride. You get like the flying high, millions of drug dollars just in the bank, life is good, the parties at the casinos, you get that. You just fucking don't in Ozark. It, it starts at the fall. And it's just stressful and miserable and they're just scraping to get ahead every minute of every episode. Uh, it, it, it It's a mood, but it's, it's so good. It reminds me of Uncut Gems, the Adam Sandler movie, if you haven't seen that. Same energy. All right, Brian, you want to add anything else? Uh, I would like to shout out my dear friend Chris Stagno, who is a longtime member of the Magic community, longtime judge. If you played a GP... Between like 2003 and 2017, you probably met Chris Stagno. And he has been, he was a friend of mine through judging. Uh, We roomed together a couple times before I moved to Pittsburgh. When I moved to Pittsburgh, he lived there. He was an immediate anchor of Social Circle and has just been a presence in my life for the last 11 years and definitely one of my best friends. And he is moving to Las Vegas this week. Uh, He and his wife both have full remote jobs now. They have a young daughter. Wife's family is in Vegas. Uh, they want her to grow up in like a f- sort of family supported environment. And it's just like it came together very quickly. And that was my travel buddy, my ADHD buddy, uh, my my D and D GM, like very important person in my life. And luckily, COVID sort of prepped us for this, where like we didn't really hang out for the last two years anyway. Like we we have group texts, we have Discord, we have Zoom, like all that. So. Very much more accessible than it would have felt two years ago. But shout out to my friend Chris and his family who are leaving my life to go have their own. And I hope it all works out well for them. I know he doesn't listen to this, but <laughs> got to get it out there somewhere.
1: That was nice.
2: Yeah, it's 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 nice to have something, some, some good vibes to just spread to the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you listening right now, find that little piece of you that is moving and needs luck and just latch on to my shout out to Chris. I mean, him and his wife are driving across country to Vegas. Maybe they'll need a couple podcasts to listen to, and they will actually hear this. All right. Uh, Speaking of the podcasts, uh, shout
2: outs once again to Matt Hackbert for donating to keep the old podcast running, keeping the metaphorical lights on. Um, We still are exploring sponsorships ideas, by the way. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge to any businesses out there that want to get some ad reads going on. We've got like 10,000 people or so listening to these. Just saying. We're happy to read stuff. We'd like to get some of that sweet, sweet bread to our editor at Force of Phil.
1: All right. So uh, why don't we hop into the magic updates? Guys, I don't know if you saw. I was at least okay at magic this weekend. I went a perfect 10-0 in the popper challenge post-ATOG ban, which was pretty exciting. Uh, we haven't talked since the banning in Popper. The Saturday challenge was actually, a fun fact, won by Affinity. And there was a ton of fairies in that top eight. And then the Sunday metagame just immediately corrected. And it was all decks that slaughtered fairies in top eight, plus this guy. And uh, I got to farm a bunch of people with a bunch of creature removal on their deck that all cut their graveyard hate because Tron was weakened. And it just went really, really well for me.
0: That's awesome. I love when an undefined metagame, somebody just threads the needle, just like, uh, the obvious best deck on day one gets mushed by the obvious counter to the best deck on day two, and you are there with your, uh, your scissors slicing through the paper while rock is not watching anymore. Beautiful, love it. God, I'm I'm so fucking excited about
2: Popper right now. Like I I could do another love letter to this format right now. Immediately after the Popper bans went live on Magic Online, I just like fired up a league and recorded just so I could fuck around and see what the format was like. And I saw some wild shit out there, and it was just, like, so much fun to see people experimenting. Like, there's there's a lot of low-hanging fruit of the format right now. Like, Boros Bully is still going to be a respectable deck with a lot of card advantage via Faithless Looting. Like, Fairies is still going to be good. The Monarch Mechanic is obviously very good. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's underexplored. I got my ass absolutely beaten by a White Weenie deck.
0: Like actual go-wide weenies or like the, the heroic deck? Um, it was an
2: ethereal armor mono-white deck with a provoke creature. Okay. So essentially, yeah. they just threw a couple pieces of, uh, a, or a couple auras on that thing, and I was just in the abyss losing a creature every turn, just frantically chomp-blocking and trying to stay
0: alive. Yeah, that's the heroic deck. Uh, the Lagona Band Trailblazer is my nightmare. I think if I have a nemesis, an individual Magic card nemesis of the past five years, it's probably that card because I've never beaten it. That's the one white zero four cat warrior, whatever the fuck. That whenever you target it with anything, it gets plus one plus one. So oh, that it, card was
2: bullshit. It it dodged all my unbeatable.
0: removal. Unbeatable, <laughs> unbeatable. Uh, you you need to be playing black cards to remove it. There's not a not an out to it in any other color in the format. And the deck is full of emerge unscathed, and uh, the flash aura that gives protection, and it, yeah, fuck that card.
2: Yeah, I was excited. I had a galvanic blast in hand. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna answer this thing. All I need to do is untap with this artifact land, and blah. It was just, nope. it was just too huge.
0: Yep. Brutal. I think
2: it, I think it was out of
0: galv blast plus lightning bolt range by my next turn. They frequently are. Like I. I, I usually find myself chumping with uh, Fairy seers for three or four turns while I try to hit land drops to get into double scred range on that thing. And then they just like emerge unscathed the second scred. <laughs> just like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
0: that deck is a pretty bad matchup for Blue-Red Fairies, so I have a lot of trauma in that department. Awesome deck, though.
1: Yeah, my second update is actually, uh, for those of you that are unaware... Uh, during the holiday season i purchased the storm discord from the person that owned it they were relatively inactive and we've made a bunch of updates recently so we're now a level three discord we're applying for partnerships soon we have roles uh, we have a content creator role for publishing your stuff and being able to tag your audience there's a lot of cool stuff we've done so if you're a part of the storm community definitely come back and check it out or if you're interested in checking it out it is completely free uh, we do have a member section tied to the epic storm youtube channel but you can still see most of everything up front for free.
0: Nice. I, keep
2: get, I keep getting tagged in that server, and I'm like, ooh, did I play against Storm? And it's just Bryant at every wedding. I'm I'm throwing my daggers, man. I'm throwing my daggers.
1: We've had some growing pains recently where we're trying stuff out, uh, and we're just, like, gauging the audience's stuff. Like, if it bothers you, you can go ahead and mute the Discord. You're not going to hurt my feelings, but we're trying to figure out what we can get away with. No,
2: I, I, I pop in there from time to time to uh, see what you all are up to. I occasionally play against some new bullshit Storm variant, and I'm, I just have to figure out what's going on with it.
0: Yeah, I'm learning a lot about Discord myself. My Discord community has, in the past three or four months, hit a point where it needed moderation. Like, for the longest time, like, for like a year and a half or more, I was just like, come on, everyone be cool. And hoping that that was enough. But then I was like, eh, okay, I do need a moderator. That moderator immediately deputized another moderator. And then a couple weeks ago, they mon- they deputized the third moderator. And now we have actual rules. And I fixed the the broken permissions. Like I built the discord originally as just like a cave person. I started streaming on Twitch three or four years ago. And the chat was like, you should have a discord. And I was like, OK, I do now <laughs> in like one second with no work. And it turns out that the-, the platform is much more powerful than that. So my mods can actually have I have mods there are rules for them to moderate and they have the power to enforce them now, all of which are new developments in my community of 200 plus people. But I think that last lasting as long as we did with 200 people without really needing all that. And I, I consider that a success, but now we are actually official.
2: All right. So I'll, I'll go next. Um, I've made kind of a business decision decision. Um, every time I put out a high strategy video, flops and actively hurts my youtube status in terms of like algorithm stuff um so i've finally kind of cut the cord on it and all my high strategy content like tutoring videos and stuff like that is just going to be for youtube members only that way i can still make it but it doesn't actively lose me money in order to publish that stuff so i i posted a Popper ban analysis video um i'm putting up a red prison tutoring league Um, and I started doing some early release stuff um, like you two have messed around with in the past because I was super hype about this Pauper League that I recorded because it was post-band content, and then I didn't have any slots for a week and a half to put it on the channel, so I was like, okay, early release this, watch it now if you want, otherwise it comes out, you know, the following Wednesday. Yep,
0: that's what I do too. I put up a trophy with Bant, and my Discord is watching that video an hour later, I promise. (laughs) And then... Everyone else can have it two weeks later or whatever, but I fire off the the trophies that go on the fridge.
2: This week is a really weird week on the channel for me because, like, all my absolute fucking nonsense ended up being in the same week. So it's like Rhino Cascade, Vanifair Pod, Mono Black Zombies, Dinosaur Reanimator, Vintage Survival Elves, just like absolute week of shenanigans on the channel. Nothing nothing competitive in sight, but just absolute lols all week. That's going to be an analytics banger. People are going to love Ab- that. Absolutely. Except today's video. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday right after the bans went out. My video today fucking tanked because it released uh, literally at the same time that the ban announcement went out. No one, no one was watching YouTube videos in that first hour. Everyone was
0: chatting about bans. Yeah, I released a 5 with Yorian Bant today, and that's like... One of the yeah, top. define. that'll do fine. Uh, it's not. It's tanking. It's one of the. Oh. Yeah, it's one of the, the top meta decks, unaffected by the bans, other than like you know Ragavan's gone, so it might be better. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, and it's just like, nah, we're good. So that's disappointing, but is what it is the algorithm is a harsh mistress
2: oh yeah this this is a 10 out of 10 day in in the bad way
1: phil you, you mentioned dinosaur reanimator playing lots of holiday cube i grew to love rotting regisaur like it was definitely one of my like outside of storm one of my favorite cards to draft i'd be like how can i fit this in i have a mana crypt or a dark ritual just like jamming term one dinosaur was one of my favorite things to do
2: yeah regisaur is in that deck the the cuteness of the deck is giz hath sun's avatar seven six trample vigilance haste when it deals combat damage to a player that player you reveal that many cards from the top of your library and put all the dinosaurs into play so the idea is you do something like turn one thought sees yourself turn two unmark graved it into play attack with it and shit dinosaurs into play uh shallow grave uh this was a modern one.
0: Oh okay okay got you okay
2: yeah, I was like, "How is it getting?" Or you're sorry, sorry. Uh, unmarked grave is the thing that puts it into the graveyard. Uh, Gorio's Vengeance. Okay, there we go. I was like, "Where's it getting haste?" I'm so excited about this, but that doesn't yeah, sound right. It it awesome. also innately has haste.
0: Oh, um, that's even better.
2: Yeah. Wow. But then I have a bunch of like bad dinosaurs in the deck. Like I I threw the Tarask in there just for the the D and D reference
0: because like. It's a ten ten. Why not? There are no bad dinosaurs, just bad dinosaur owners. That's fair. Uh, I've been playing some Paper Legacy lately. Uh, This past weekend at Titan Game Shop, I made a top four with that Jeskai Hallbreacher deck that's been taking the modal leads by storm, which I expect will fall off a little because sort of beating up on Ragavan was the whole point of that deck. But it's actually just a really cool deck, and calling it Jeskai seems a little disingenuous like we're back into old legacy where like it's built like a 2019 or 2018 legacy deck where you're just azorius with a red sideboard and even calling it azorius it's it's like mono blue with plow and ending in it and that it just felt so good i had six basic lands in that deck and i played 12 rounds with the deck between the paper tournament and a league i recorded without realizing that it was show and tell it's not miracles. It's show and tell. And I think I could have found some more wins if I had recognized that sooner. Like you're just buying the space to end step Hall Breach or untap Days Undoing. Or if your Narset resolves, every deck in the format would fight over that if they could. So you know Days Undoing is going to resolve on the follow up. Plus you get to dig nine cards into your deck off the Narset to find the Days Undoing. Like the deck is just really sweet, but it is show and tell. It is not actually a control deck and the buffalo chicken legacy tournament is coming up this weekend and i'm very excited to be part of that first post-ban paper tournament on the earth maybe i mean probably someone's running an FM, but this is probably going to be the first big one there's going to be live coverage on twitch and that event capped so did the event at titan last week titan usually gets like 30-ish people for these for the series they're running called Legacy for Real Estate, where there's always like dual Lands or guy's Cradle or whatever for first. And the event capped. And then Buffalo Chicken also capped. People are stoked to play Legacy right now, or at least Paper Magic in general. Either way, I'm very excited to be part of all of those and having got in under the cap.
2: All right. Are we ready to kind of jump into the thick of it and talk about this ban announcement?
1: Let's do it.
0: Let's go.
2: All right. So, let's 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 kind of first start with the what before we kind of get into the reaction. So, just in case you haven't heard, Ragavan, Nimble Pilfer, has been banned in Legacy. What? Uh kind of the spark. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's shocking. Fucking no one saw this coming. Just it hit us like a truck. We're going to have to deal with it.
1: They, they I feel like they should have waited longer. Like was
0: 7 months long enough time? Uh, it's weird considering a card that's been nicknamed Ragavan since it was printed ended up banned fascinating
2: yeah anyway spark notes version um blue red delver in leagues is north of 56% non-mirror match win rate and has twice as many trophies as the next highest performing archetype in the past couple of weeks and they kind of noted in particular The tendency for Ragavan to snowball games very early on.
3: What? um,
2: Especially when protected by free counter spells like Daze and Force of Will. Wait a minute. Shocked Pikachu face right here, folks.
0: Wait, did anyone let them know this was happening before this week? Did anyone let them know, off the spoiler, that there's free counter magic in Legacy and that one drops are really good? Did anyone let them know about Renin Six or Deathrite Shaman? Or any of these other cards that exist that don't exist
1: anymore because they're banned? What happened? It's almost like another banned red creature from the previous year. Talking about Dreadhorde Arcanist.
2: Yeah, there's a a, a Dom Harvey tweet that just says when you never get tired of typing the same paragraph and it's just a screenshot of four different banned things all talking about cards getting banned from Blue Red Delver with Blue Red Delver having too high a win percentage. Or, or rather, Delver having too high of a win percentage because the exact flavor of Delver
0: varies um, depending on what exactly got banned. All those decks played red, though. To be oh, fair, oh, ab- absolutely, Grixis, blue, blue red Ruggs, Dex, Delver. It, yeah, it it's all it's all the same. Yeah, good
2: good good shell is good. I got a really yep. good laugh. Uh, I have
0: a, a screenshot that I like to share when bans go live. It's the it's when they banned Eye of Ugin and restricted Lone Stone Golem. They restricted Lodestone Stone Golem in Vintage. They wrote this whole paragraph that said, like, or no, they they re- they banned Iavugin first. The modern ban was the first paragraph, and it was like the Eldrazi archetype is too powerful, yada yada yada. Rather than ban individual creatures, we thought it best to ban the land that enables them all. And then the next paragraph is Vintage Lone Stone Golem is restricted, and it, that I I retweeted that or reposted that screenshot every three months as they just restricted every artifact that was printed in vintage and like it, it's the same shit with with days and wasteland and force of will and I don't mind that being a tier one deck. I think it's actually really unique. There's not another format that provides like vintage goes too big for wasteland days to really squeeze because it has all the fast mana and mox in. And then modern doesn't have days, and they specifically printed their force effect to not work on your own turn. Like it's only a reactive card. So there's that is a unique convergence of legacy stuff, but it is just like, can we just ban these busted ones, one, two drops off the. Off the spoiler, then, if we're if Days is untouchable.
2: Okay, before we kind of get into reacting to this, I do want to finish going over the fundamentals of what is in this post. So the last thing is in the post, and I'm just going to read these two sentences verbatim. Quote, We'll be keeping an eye on how the legacy format continues to evolve in the coming weeks, and are willing to make further adjustments soon, if needed. However, we feel this is a large change, and would like to see how the metagame adapts before considering if other changes are necessary. End
1: quote. Large change.
2: So, I was livid when i read this post not because of what was banned banning ragavan is a a great decision that is something that very much needed to happen but i am upset with how shitty this post is in comparison to the last ban announcement that we got that ban announcement that we got from the pauper format panel was the most insightful and like encouraging and like hope renewing piece of like BNR content that I have ever seen. And then in legacy, it's like, here, we'll do the low hanging fruit. Maybe we'll change stuff later. Goodbye. They're just, ah, can we, can we at least hear what's on the table? Can you at least like in good faith show us like, Hey, we're thinking about this. We're looking at this. This is what the data is like, like give us something a little more than, all right, you can have a banning as a treat legacy players. I, I just wanted a little more out of this announcement. It didn't have to be more bans. Just we're looking at stuff. Would have been great.
1: There's a line that I would like to emphasize. Magic Online League data shows that Blue Red Delver at over a 56% non-mirror match win rate has twice as many trophies as the next archetype over the past few weeks. All right. So let's digest this a little bit. So 56% win, non-mirror win percentage. That's pretty high. That's the bar that they've used historically. They used that with Death Rate Shaman. They've used it with other things. Cool. But they're using League data instead of Challenge data. Which none of us have access to. We do have uh, access to the challenge data because of Joe Dyer's team and what they do, which is truly terrific. And it says over the past few weeks, which kind of shocks me because if you look at before Eternal Weekend, they were like, "We're gonna make a change," uh, well, expect a change, whatever. Uh, and then it didn't happen before Eternal Weekend, and then it waited a few months, and we finally got it now. Cool. But over the last few weeks, so does that mean you weren't looking at the data from the previous five months of people saying that Ragavan was a problem? If you follow Matthew Vuk on Twitter, shoutouts to Mac does a lot of great data analysis on his Twitter. He posted a bunch of stuff that showed that Blue Red Delver never finished worse than fourth place in a challenge over the course of five months, plus a bunch of other really good insight into the data that Joe Dyer's team collects. And they just chose not to look at any of this. Instead, they looked at two weeks worth of league data when people weren't playing because the format's absolute shit. Come on. Sorry, I'm angry. Like, this announcement is such (laughs) horseshit. Like, it is so bad.
0: Okay, well, I mean, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but yeah, not acknowledging the previous six months and just going in like, oh, yeah, since we deigned to look at it two weeks ago, this deck's pretty good. Like, that—that that is disappointing. I do think it's cool that they're willing to tap into and share with us League data because we get like the one published fi- un- uniquely published 5 per dump or whatever like we don't see all of the 5.0s. and it there there's just mountains, like thousands of games being played that we don't get and the legacy data collection team the uh, awesome work every week uh, and end of the day that's that's like two tournaments where Moto can just open the vault and look at thousands. And I I think it is cool that they are willing to use that stuff. Also, I think it's really important that they specified that the last two weeks. I wish they would have mentioned the previous six months as well, but I think it's cool that they specified the previous two weeks because remember last weekend when Delver didn't top eight the, the challenge or whatever? And everyone was like, look, you whiny babies. It's fine. Healthy metagames evolve. Shut the fuck up. Like, I saw some pretty aggro tweets uh, from medium to large accounts that are just like, yeah, look, metagames are just all you whiners need to just put a put a binky in it. <laughs> like, And it's like, OK, for the first time in six months, this deck didn't top for a challenge and we're told to shut up about it. And. Like, the the rumors of its demise greatly exaggerated. I like that they said, in the last two weeks it's gotten more trophies than twice as many trophies than the next leading archetype. Like, we are looking now. We're not looking at, like... Because some cards, like Urza Saga, everyone in the first month of Modern Horizons 2's existence was like, Saga's gonna get banned in Modern. This thing's busted. There's nothing like this in history. It's a design mistake. But anyone who has played with the card well not anyone there are some hot takes out there but many folks who have played with the card since then are like no this is a design masterpiece this card is so cool and so dynamic and uh, challenges what we believe threats and answers look like and just all of that is true of urza saga but it's not true of ragavan where it's like the thing we said in week one is the thing we're still fucking screaming in month seven and i like that Like, everyone knows that we've been loud about it, but in this snapshot of the last two or three weeks, it is still dominating maybe more so than it was in the first month. Love it.
2: The funny thing about this ban is I don't think it really does anything, and I've actually seen arguments saying that this is actually going to make the Delver decks better against the field as a whole. Uh, Ragavan specifically tends to be very good against the other blue decks, And so when you're playing Ragavan, like, it's something that helps you against, like, your, your control decks and your other Delver deck matchups. And then you play against decks like Death and Taxes and Elves that just have a bunch of crappy creatures that can sit on the board and block it forever. And then that's a dead card that gets sideboarded out in those games. And now the Delver decks can adapt and they can go back to playing things that are either generically more helpful against a random field or harder to kill in a different way. While Ragavan might have avoided Prismatic Ending by Dash, you can go back to things like True Name Nemesis that are hard to kill. Or while you might have been using slots to play Ragavans previously, now maybe you can free up some Brazen Borrowers so that you get better at answering Germ Tokens so you don't just fold to Cauldra against Death and Taxes.
1: You can also play Delver Secrets again if you so choose. Uh, But I do agree with you, Phil. I was talking about this earlier today with a friend. I think that Brazen Borrower is a natural inclusion to come back to the Delver decks. I would expect that they actually close up some holes that the previous Delver builds during the Oko Dreadhorde period were currently filling. If you remember, we talked a lot back then about how Force and Negation, Oko and Dreadhorde creating card advantage just closed up anything of your opponent doing. The current. Delver shells were kind of different in how they operated and did have some of these weaknesses, especially recently just because people haven't been playing as much prison. So they didn't need to play things like brazen borrower where now maybe the metagame shifts and that card looks a lot more, uh, desirable.
2: Yeah. You also can take out the bullshit in your decks. That's specifically for ragavans. Like when people are on multiple main deck gut shots, like you kind of know that things have gotten weird. So the, the blue red delver decks decks can normalize now and play more generic good cards now that things aren't warping around ragavan specifically
0: i love the discourse created right now like what both of you just said where i mean the argument that ragavan's good against blue and combo and bad against non-blue and like now we got to fill those slots and we can be more well-rounded but it's a conversation Like, Phil was like, you know, maybe True Name Nemesis, and Brian's like, maybe Brazen Borrower. And and it's like, you know, I played True Name Nemesis this week and died to Merit Lage. I played Brazen Borrower this week and died to just something else, uh, something that True Name Nemesis would have beat. And the fact that we have to talk about the deck slots, that's just, that's healthy magic. And I do like that.
1: I will say one thing that is often o- <clears throat> excuse me, overlooked is that Expressive Iteration was a card a lot of people had their eye on. They're like, how did they not ban Expressive Iteration? I would have liked to see something else, too, if I'm being completely honest. But when I take a step back and look, Expressive Iteration was a problem because the Blue Red Duck g- gained a free mana on turn two that allowed them to cast Expressive Iteration into a wasteland that then got to destroy your land drop while they got to further their plan with Ragavan. That's not happening anymore. Your opponent plays turn one Delver Secrets. If they cast that Expressive Iteration on turn two, they just cut their gut shots. They're not revealing a gut shot. They have to choose on whether or not if they're going to play Mishra's Bobble in their deck that doesn't flip their Delver. Expressive Iteration now has a real cost to it which makes it a lot more of a fair magic card and it's way less busted. So you're going to see more uh, shout outs to our uh, editor, Phil Blackman style decks where Phil wasn't casting the express or expressive iteration ever until turn three. and was just like, yeah, my deck has eight Swords to plowshares. So I'll pick up something then. And that circles back to the conversation that our good friend, Brian Koval likes to talk about where Delver there's this game where you go, okay, I'm allowed to take three hits. And then on the fourth turn, I'm going to tap mana, play around days, play this removal spell. There's interesting magic to be had where you're not just straight up losing the game on turn two to Ragavan if you let it hit.
2: Yeah, there is a huge difference between a Delver backed by a daze or a force of will and a Ragavan backed by a daze or force of will. There's a game on camera. I don't remember what I was playing, but my opponent played turn one Ragavan. I used a removal spell on it. It got countered. And then my opponent just blood mooned me on turn two. And it was just like, oh, okay, GG, g- g- I-, I lose. That sort of snowballing is not going to happen quite as-, as frequently. Days is still going to be great, but uncontested, backed up Ragavan by one or multiple pieces of counter magic was uh, beyond beyond warping. And I am glad to not to have to deal with that anymore.
0: Yep. Uh, while that effect is just less powerful than Dreadhorde Arcanus' effect, it also costs half as much and then has haste later. And there's just those things balance out. The The Magic the Gathering mana system is the backbone of this game and why the game is so great. And a card that is slightly worse than a two drop at doing a similar thing but costs one gets, uh, gets that bar. Uh, it catches up on mana efficiency and then just having dash on there for the mid game or for when you know your opponent's gummed up on sorcery speed removal. Just yeah, I, I won't miss Ragavan. See you later. I'm also
2: not going to miss having an unbeatable card in play and then, like, Ragavan connects and pulls an answer out of my deck to my own cards, and it's just, all right, I'm playing this artifact deck, everything's great, I can't possibly lose from here, and then, like, Ragavan hits a
0: Karn randomly and shuts off all my lands. Yeah, sweet fucking Jesus. Like, maybe, like, every time I would get upset about that, I would, like, have this, this true, like, internal monologue of, like, Am I a casual? Does my brain not work right? Like like getting hit by a miracle spell. If you're mad about that, I mean, drawing a card is the most dynamic, potentially game-changing action in every turn of every magic game. And miracle just really puts the spotlight on that in a way that uh, can feel tilting. It's like, oh, they had to miracle the terminus. It's like, yeah, I, I could have drawn Supreme Verdict and cast it too. Like a lot of times if I just had a different card in my deck. Like miracle is creates dynamic, exciting gameplay by highlighting a thing that is natural. Yoinking cards from your opponent's deck is unnatural. Uh, uh, Like that's not a thing that happens often in Magic, especially at that low mana cost. And all the times Ragavan hit me, and like I brainstormed in response, and it cleared a dead land from my brainstorm, and I'm like, thanks, Ragavan. Balanced out by the times it hit me, and just took my Teferi or my Narset and just, like, fucking blanked my control deck. I, I don't know how reasonable it was to be as upset as I was about those hits, where it's like, I put one Teferi and you just took it? Like, I needed that. Uh, I, all of those things. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe that feel bad is just in the the human psyche, or maybe it is an actual game design problem, or maybe the human psyche is a giant factor in game design and and they overlap but they didn't mention feel bad moments in the the announcement they mentioned like data and win rate so i i do appreciate that they <laughs> they didn't validate me either way on that concern
1: i will say i think it's and i might have mentioned this before how wild is it that they put this ability on during a covid era in history where you playing with your opponent's cards that are covered in germs and all these other things like yes i want you to reach across the table take your opponent's covet infested card put it on my side of the battlefield i don't know like it always just struck me really strangely because like even when i was playing some paper magic after i got my booster or whatever i never wanted my opponents touching my stuff i was like hey i don't know where your hands have been or where you've been just like let's shuffle around stuff and pretend to, uh, that it we're gonna be fine or whatever but it always like uh, why do you have to touch my stuff and it always seemed really weird to me that they waited until the middle of a pandemic to create this ability
2: well <laughs> i think that's totally coincidental timing <laughs> yeah for sure like that, that stuff's years ahead in the pipeline
0: yeah people who don't even work at wizards and who's uh like NDAs have worn off at this point are speaking freely about MH2 design like th- that that thing was in the pipeline for a long time so i, I don't know it-, it is it is funny that that happened they also released Godzilla Death Corona like as the world was shutting down from the coronavirus i'm sure they didn't plan uh, that
1: either <laughs> yeah
0: so good, good times.
1: I would like to point out, and Phil, I'm not trying to target you here or make fun of you here, but a lot of people wanted Murktide Regent banned. And I think one of these cascading effects, like I mentioned with Expressive Iteration, is without Ragavan, you now get to selectively pick and choose where your removal goes. So things like Murktide Regent, you know, they're going to have a bigger target on their head because you don't have to kill a Delver or whatever replaces Ragavan. You can, you know, take a few hits, see what they do make an educated decision on what's going to be more important in that game you get to you know be more selective i guess is what i'm trying to say here and i think murktide regent and some of the hate surrounding it is going to die down a little bit do you have any thoughts on that
2: um i i do i do agree with ragavan in the deck like sometimes Markshide Regent literally came down on turn two because of that extra Lotus Petal worth of mana that you got, and that was beyond bullshit, especially considering all the other lines of text on that card. That sort of thing is going to happen a little bit less frequently. I still think Markshide Regent is probably going to be a, a problem card. Like, Delver's not going to stop putting Instants and Sorceries in its graveyard. Like, Delver's definitely not going to take that card out of the deck. It's it's just so powerful. Um, Large, evasive creatures that can pitch to force of will and can make themselves bigger like that's still a recipe for something that is very 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 good we may see a little more tension in deck building as some of the delver decks might become a little more reliant on dragon rage channeler than previously but you know that that card's still going to be very good
0: i like the pivot that if we think back to various rug delver builds over time there were builds that delver was the only thing that could attack if rest in peace was in play, like there were Grand Prix top four lists that the the threat base was like Delver, Hooting Mandrills, Tarmogoyf, Renin and six, and just all of those things just nuke the hit the graveyard and those don't function anymore. Ragavan just did a completely sideways different thing, uh, generating the card ev- like even even uh, Arcanist got bricked by a. To ferry or uh, rest in peace in a way that was interesting, but Ragavan just in business for itself, contrary to what every other creature in the deck's trying to do. And now rest in peace is back. at Brick's Dragon's Rage Channeler. You're never casting Murktide Regent. Like they're gonna have to pitch their Murktide to counter your rest in peace because it's not getting any better from there. I I, I do like that that angle now that it, there's an exploitable angle if these blue red decks lead to lean too hard into the graveyard
2: and this comes back to the whole true name nemesis thing again right like now that the deck is more reliant on dragon rage channeler and Merktide regent you want to have something in your deck that is just going to like attack in the air or otherwise like is able to get through on a different axis and um, to use another example um, i've seen court of cunning popping up in the sideboards of a lot of these blue red delver decks right now and just like Having your opponent bring in a pile of removal and then going like, ha ha, mill you for 10 every
0: turn, you're dead in four turns, good luck. That's a real win condition too. Yeah, yeah. I know Rich Cali was on one Narset, one court in his sideboard. So it, it's like, and it, like Narset is powerful, immediately replaces itself, and you need to remove it or your deck doesn't function a lot of the time. Court of Cunning, even if you remove it immediately, they're still the monarch. So there's like a two prong thing. You have to connect somehow while they're drawing extra cards. And if you can't, if you can remove the permanent, you probably have to do that too. Most decks don't want to get, can't race like a mill for 10 each turn. Like sometimes you, you get to like put your Uro in the graveyard and have a chance. But even escaping Uro immediately against the deck with four Pyroblasts and two Submerges that's drawing two cards a turn, good luck.
1: I believe it was Matt Vuk to mention him again, shout out to Matt, said that he played a list or 5 with a list with 3 Court of Cunning in the board because it solves the death and taxes matchup by decking them even when they're a Yorian deck and that card advantage is huge. And then it's also really good against all of these Narset decks or Hullbreacher decks that Brian's been playing recently at creating the card advantage to come back. I think one of the things that the Ragavans find you are all a bunch of whining babies people forgot about was that The Delver deck can adapt to beat whatever it wants. If it didn't think about you for a week and then you tricked it and beat them, congrats. You found your opening. You landed that, you know, that punch to the jaw. But you better expect the Delver is going to come back the following week with the answer to you. And I think those people forgot that. Like, the Delver deck is so versatile and... They only have to dedicate a couple cyborg slots to you in order to beat you because they have that cantrip cartel. They have the brainstorm, the ponder, expressive iteration, Mishra's Bobble. They'll go deep into their deck to find whatever that key piece is to lock you out.
0: Yeah,
2: just, just thought experiment here before we go any further. In the average match, how many cards did Blue Red Delver see? 30? More?
1: Probably more, because I forgot to mention uh, Dragon Rage Chandler, which helps them yeah. find, like... it's yeah, an lot.
0: iteration sees three cards, even though it produces two. Like, it's... You see so many cards. It, yeah, it, it, yeah.
2: If, if the metric is C, not like how many cards are remaining in your deck, if it's how many cards do you see, you might see 45 of your 60 cards in a game. Like, that's not unrealistic, because a lot of times the games end with about 30 cards left in deck, and you've definitely pondered and brainstormed and looked at a bunch of those other cards
0: yep absolutely and to brian's point about the sideboard adjustment i did a playoff on my channel rich Cali versus me i was on bant Yorion and he was on is it delver and in our pre-video chat he was like yeah this is one of the tougher matchups like i'm gonna have to work for my wins here when we actually played them out he smeared me it was i i managed to just barely take one of the five matches off him he four won me the wins were decisive the losses were close and the difference between the the memory of yeah this is a tough matchup and the reality of how we played is he just had two submerges at his sideboard which he probably didn't have three weeks earlier when bant yorian was beating up the delver players it's just like oh okay uh we need Like pyroblast isn't that good against them. We can shave one of the pyroblasts, one of the gut shots, put two submerges in. All right, we're good. And you just can't. It's that easy. Uh, Keeping Delver down for a week versus keeping Delver down is a completely different calculation.
2: All right. Are are we ready to talk about some of the other implications of this ban? Or do we have anything else we want to specifically say about blue, red Delver?
1: I'm going to move on. Yeah,
0: I'd like to uh, shout out to the mono red painter players who have lost their their reasonable toy of Ragavan, or the the show and tell players who lost their sideboard joke. Uh, in they're all in the arms of the angels now. Yeah,
2: I uh, okay, I can't find the exact comment, but someone prior to the ban announcement coming out was like, "Yeah, and I really want Urza Saga to go." And my response was basically like, no, please, no. I'm having so much fun playing Painter right now. Like, let me keep this. Don't let Painter lose another toy just because other things were abusing it.
0: Yeah, poor Painter. Uh, nobody. Every
2: time, every yeah. ban, it's just like, oh, I just want to use this Sensei's Divining Top with Goblin Welder. No, you don't get that. I'll just use this Astrolabe with
0: Goblin Welder. Uh-uh. No, sir. No, ma'am. Yep. I can use Ragavan. It creates artifacts in my Mana Hungry artifact deck. Sorry. (laughs) If Urza Saga ever goes, uh, the the painter players on the earth should just march on Renton. Uh, Urza Saga ended up being like one of my favorite cards to come from that set.
2: Like it's 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 very powerful, like borderline too good for some formats. But like, man, it does really cool things in in Legacy.
0: I don't think there's a format it's in that it's too powerful like it, I agree. it's printed into I, modern I th- I where think it's things beautiful have
2: calmed down in modern
0: yeah enough th- where like the cards fine there yeah people have adjusted they figured out what dress down does and like whatever and it's just god that card is so sweet uh, i i will die on the hill of urza saga is appropriate for every format that it's legal
1: I saw people this week talking about how it should be uh, restricted in Vintage, and I was just like, what? Like, I understand that the Blue Tinker deck is really good right now, but it's at least it's a deck that wins. If we go back a year ago when the just Guy Xerox deck was the best deck, that deck never won the game. And so many, like, I played a lot of challenges during that time period. There was just, like, so many people that timed out. I like people that win the game. I like Urza Saga. Yeah.
2: And also, like, Urza Saga has done this weird thing where... Artifact decks have been kept in check a little bit more by the existence of cards like Meltdown as common sideboard options. Like, it used to be that if you were playing Meltdown, you were doing it to fucking dunk on someone at your local shop that pissed you off. Like that that's what Meltdown did. And now it's just like, oh yeah, Meltdown, like that card's sold out at Card Hoarder or GoatBots or whatever. Like it's really good right now. You should have a playset. Like you, you want to have access to that card. And I think that's really cool, except when I'm playing the Artifact deck, and then, you know, it's bullshit. And I go, wah, for good YouTube engagement.
1: Wah.
2: That is the sound. All right. So, like, this Ragavan ban has happened. Blue Red Delver doesn't, uh, you know, change much. You know, it adjusts for four main deck slots, probably, and a couple of sideboard cards, and it'll it'll move on. Do we think there's any, like, long-reaching implications? Do you think there's any archetypes that are, you know, poised to take advantage of Ragavan being gone or anything like that? I, uh, I have my eyes on a couple of decks, but where
0: where are your thoughts at? Um, I'm looking Doomsday, right in Thassa's Oracle's beady little wet eyes. Uh, that uh, it. Delver was the natural predator to Doomsday, and I think... A lot of folks are going to fully embrace Uro nonsense now that Ragavan's out. Because like we said, Ragavan really helped in those blue matchups and the combo matchups. So people are going to be on blue and combo more than they were previously. And I think a lot of those people are still going to lose to Delver. But uh, the the idea of like, yeah, my Uros are free now uh, or it's time to play Doomsday. uh, I'm looking at that.
1: If it's okay, I'd like to dissect the Delver versus Doomsday matchup a little bit. I've actually played it quite a bit, and uh, I have some thoughts if that's okay. So, Breggavan was always an issue because of the natural, hey, I'm going to exile the top card of your deck. And that made it really awkward because if you're a deck that's trying to make the top five, of your card, five, top five cards of your deck win the game, it's obviously a little bit awkward depending how you build it. Doomsday players figured out, hey, you should always put a cycler on top and then your ideas inbound or whatever, but initially Ragavan was kind of awkward, or you would get those games where Ragavan accidentally exiled your one main deck Thassa's Oracle and you cried yourself to sleep. Those games are gone. That said... Delver's coming back and is a faster clock than Ragavan, so Doomsday has to be a little bit more cautious of their life total. That's one give and take. I think something that isn't being talked about enough is how bad Personal Tutor is against the f- former, I'll, I'll use former now, Blue Red Delver decks where Ragavan made it so you can never cast Personal Tutor and pass the turn. So now these decks can go back up to three, possibly even four, tutors for Doomsday. Which changes the game quite a bit, especially now that people have decided that they don't like to consider deep analysis package anymore, which has been a trend over the last few weeks. So now you can increase your personal tutors, you're now a more consistent deck, and the biggest thing is, in my opinion, Ragavan isn't touching your discard spells. So now in the matchup where you are afraid to keep discard spells in your deck because Ragavan would make you discard yourself, they get to play a bunch of discard and one for one with your forces and it's just super powerful uh, because they don't have to sideboard into Pact and Negation that plays awkwardly with line's Eye Diamond anymore. They just have discard spells that are going to give them this information. They can know if they can discard their hand. They don't get punished. It's a huge game changer.
2: I also think the presence of Cabal Ritual in the deck changes some of your opening lines versus Delver. So with Cabal Ritual there, you can just safely fetch Island on turn one to like ponder or do whatever you need to set up and then turn two, grab black source, play that, have your three black mana, um, off of an island, so that you can just kind of do your Doomsday thing while playing around a wasteland on turn one. I think that's, like, very quietly huge game.
0: Yeah, the personal tutor point is huge. I played two versions of Doomsday through full paper tournaments, and I played the fastest possible build and the slowest reasonable build, uh, like, one was experimentally fast. I had three personal tutors when, like, people were starting to feel that, like, maybe we should play one of this card. And I had three in my list. Oh, well, Max's list, not mine, uh, that I played. And that felt insane. And then the experimentally slow build with, like, Baleful Strix and Infernal Tutor and stuff, which uh, mostly determined was not a great way to build the deck, but it was, like, the the thing that I felt in the... In the difference between the two tournaments was when you draw, every time you draw Personal Tutor, you're like, fuck yeah. Your deck's full of Cyclers and Cantrips. It's frequently just put it in your hand for two mana or one. Anytime you draw Infernal Tutor after turn two, you're like, ugh,
1: this card sucks. I think you mean Profane Tutor.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Infernal Tutor. Yeah. You cannot play Infernal Tutor in Doomsday. I don't recommend it unless you want a second Doomsday in your hand. Yeah, Profane Tutor is what I'm talking about. The Suspend one. Yeah. Uh, profane tutor like drawing that on turn three or like like that like turn four like i need some action here brainstorm hit personal tutor all right we're in business turn four brainstorm looking for action find it profane tutor like uh we're still not in business so uh being able to lean in on personal tutor which is is that the most powerful tutor in legacy that's left right now i mean i know it only gets sorceries but like a bang for your buck that's got to be like, one of the most objectively powerful tutors.
1: I'd is, agree. Yeah,
2: I, I
0: don't
1: know. I
2: don't know, like, there's there's things like Recruiter of the Guard that when you start factoring in ether Vial and wisp and stuff, actually have a huge amount of value as well. Like, it's a very different sort yeah, of Yeah, yeah, it's right? all
1: contextual,
0: of course. Uh, I I just... I, I understand where you're yeah, coming from. I, I don't know. Maybe that's the, uh, either way someone is gonna dissect that statement, and I'm not gonna retract it, but I, I will say, like, Mystical Tutor is on the ban list, and Profane Tutor is pretty close in the context of the Doomsday Shell.
3: You mean Personal? The
0: thing you-
1: What the fuck did I just say? You just said Profane this time. Jesus. Y- you right. love your tutors. We-, we get it. You
0: love tutors. There's so many. There's so many. Yeah, Personal Tutor is the portal printing of Mystical Tutor, and everything from Portal is worse than its normal version, and- It is a sorcery. It only gets sorceries compared to being an instant and can get instants or sorceries, which is huge. That's a big deal. That would have beat Ragavan if we had Mystical Tutor. But it's very close to a banned card on power level in the context of that deck.
1: Sidebar, I love the portal sets because they created like future counterspells. They're like, this is a sorcery. They'll counterspell your opponent's next spell. Like they were just like leaning so hard into the sorcery aspect. I love it. It's so silly.
0: Yeah, sidebar to your sidebar. The fact that portal was meant to bring new players into the game, but replaced all of the clean, intuitive mechanics with weird ones? Like, in what world is intercept an easier word to understand than block? And, okay, you can only play sorceries during your main phase when the stack is empty. That is a core mechanic of the game. You know, what? we're just not going to put instance in portal, but we are going to put effects that need to be used at instant speed into the the game and like creatures with tap abilities that can only activate on combat before your turn like what what the fuck okay uh, i'm done with that let's let's back it up
2: all right so the, the the stack has resolved it's empty again um i'm gonna go ahead and cast elves all right so elves is a deck that i think has been a sleeper pick in legacy for a while there's a couple of uh elves pilots who have done very very well uh you know kind of despite the dominance of uh blue red delver and a couple other decks over the past five months or so and i think now that a lot of these like gut shot type cards are going to be temporarily leaving the format that deck is going to be even better positioned than it was a little while ago like let's let's not forget that allosaurus shepherd is absolutely just like a batshit insane card that they effectively get to play eight or more copies of due to green sun that deck is sweet and i would not be
0: surprised if that deck just randomly spikes a few tournaments here and there the only things i would argue to that statement are that i don't think it's a sleeper deck i think it's wide awake and I think everyone who plays Legacy knows it. And I don't think it will randomly spike tournaments. I think it will earnedly and brutally spike tournaments.
2: Okay, maybe maybe I maybe I didn't uh, lay it on thick enough there. Yeah, Elves I mean, is fucking good, folks. Elves yeah, is really fucking good.
0: That deck put up, uh, what, like six or seven top eights across the three Eternal Weekend tournaments while winning one of them outright? Uh, like, this is not a sleeper. This is a banger. And... Uh, I think the fact that we, the reason we don't see more of it, uh, at least IRL, is probably the price of cradles. I don't know, like that's a pretty significant barrier to entry, uh, but that sort of starts to put a toe into the IRL versus online meta discussion, which we've, I think, sniffed out is mostly a fake thing anyway. But uh, I I think that not overlapping with anything, the, the elves cards don't go anywhere else is part of the problem and the deck is pretty complicated to learn it's kind of it kind of has like doomsday syndrome or like old ad nauseum tendril syndrome where it this is clearly the best thing to do but it's really hard and i don't want to i think elves is hard to play
2: optimally whatever that means but the thing is with elves you often have 20 lines that you can take and 17 of those lines will probably get you there just because the deck is doing so many different powerful things sometimes your margins are small and then other times they're like okay i glimpsed i drew a cradle gg oops i didn't kill you next turn i'll kill you you know or i didn't kill you this turn i'll have to kill you next turn because i miscounted something that deck does silly things and allosaurus shepherds makes it just so easy to close the game
0: yeah like the mono speed one drop elves that plays like actual lana elves the full boda heritage droids and ranger all that stuff that deck once you goldfish the fundamental lines a few times, just just watch a few episodes of TV and goldfish through the deck, you'll be able to pilot it. The Hello Newton, Oops All Cradles, Am I Fuck a Maverick Deck? Am I a, am I a Rock Deck? Uh, I have two Endurance Main. I can crop rotation for Bajookabog or Wasteland. Uh, just these, like, surgical tools for every situation. Uh, while it doesn't even play Quarian Ranger or just or nettle sentinel and and your glimpses are are weird and it, like that deck uh, is like conducting a symphony to play at the highest level
1: i'm going to go against the grain here I don't think elves gets any better or any worse. I think it's going to stay exactly where it's at. And I think that you could argue that it gets slightly worse, but I don't think it's actually that impactful. Uh, When they eventually return to Delver of Secrets, every threat in Blue Red Delver will fly now. Elves traditionally does have a tough time blocking flyers. That said, endurance has become a trend within the elves community over the last, you know, four or five months or whatever. But, For the most part, they were getting some free wins due to Ragavan being clogged up on the ground like Phil alluded to earlier. Now, they're going to lose a couple games here or there that they wouldn't have lost previously due to not being able to block Delver. And I think just assuming that Elves will improve isn't necessarily true. Uh, Just because something changed for them that isn't positive and nothing else really changed. I think that this was actually like a not very impactful band cycle, if I'm being honest. Like, it almost feels like Legacy isn't going to change at all, except now it seems like blue decks got slightly worse. Non-blue decks got slightly worse.
2: I think until black is a playable color in Legacy again, if you're an elves pilot, like, go go harvest your tickets. The the, the getting's good. Until Plague Engineer and friends start coming back, like, you, you're, you're
0: good.
1: Also, if I'm wrong, feel free to tell me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. No, I, no, I, I mean, think I'm...
0: you're... I think you're totally right. I, I agree with Phil that elves is going to be good, but that's because it's already good. And the I think the the point of endurance being in the elf deck now, like usually one in the main and then two or three more in the sideboard is a pretty common spread. I think I I've played so much elves in my life and Delver is functionally true name nemesis in game one in the old world. Where it, I can't touch this thing, I can't block this thing. It's gonna crunch me for three till I'm dead. Like turn one Delver on the play was the thing that w- that was literally like, am I gonna win this match or not? Was turn one Delver, and like I could deal with anything else. But endurance being in the deck and sun Zenith being able to get it, just putting that thick booty in front of a flyer that could be all you need. Blank the first Delver, blank the the Dragon's Rage Channeler, and then you should be able to win by the time Merktide shows up. I think that just Endurance's presence in the deck will line up in a way that is really fundamentally different than year ago Elves versus Delver was. Yeah, we
2: haven't written a love letter to Endurance in a long time, but, like, way back in our original spoiler episode, we were super, super hype on that card, and, like, its functionality in Elves of simultaneously being this graveyard hate card that's main deckable while also walling Delvers and other similar threats is not to be overstated, like... That has been a huge printing for that deck, as well as a handful of other green mid range decks. And, you know, like, the control decks.
1: There is a deck that I think gets worse. It played Ragavan, it also had Urza Saga, just got Ragavan, whatever you would like to call it, because there's a million stupid names for this archetype. But Ragavan providing free artifacts for the Urza Saga is gone. So I think we're going to see less of these blue Urza Saga piles but more non-blue Urza Saga piles. Um I could be wrong about this. Maybe that deck becomes really good now. Maybe you the mean Delver
0: fair blue Saga piles eight cast is still going strong, which is my favorite blue Saga pile.
1: Yeah, I'm more so talking when... the like the Delver styled. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think next. that
0: deck is kind of stains now.
1: Okay. I I guess we all agree on that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I I see cool like 50 twitter screenshots all the time of like i i tried this out and it's like an esper sentinel based aggro tempo deck but ragavan's always hanging out or it's like uh jeskai stoneforge is back like i 50 with jeskai stoneblade and it's like yeah you got ragavan in there like how many of those are are gonna continue being presentable without ragavan's help And I I think the answer is pretty low and just Ragavan giving a fair blue deck something to do with a colorless mana on turn two uh, was a pretty big deal. Like dashing in your rag or like turn one ponder turn two Urza Saga dash Ragavan is just so juicy or plow the blocker on turn one and dash turn two. I, I think like all the play patterns of that deck get completely borked.
2: I've considered writing an article on this topic. But I think a lot of times when you're trying to do something cute or fringe or brew, a lot of times there's like a powerful broken card that can be the glue that holds together your deck in the games where you don't do the thing that your deck is designed to do. And I think Ragavan was that glue for a lot of legacy brews, or maybe we won't even go so far as brews as like builds. And there's so many decks that Ragavan held together because that mana made the deck work or the artifact made that deck work getting them to metalcraft sometimes or the three mana on turn 2 that they needed a lot of times and some of those decks like the the Jeskai Ragavan deck whatever you want to call it I've given up on naming legacy decks in a lot of cases. They're mush right now. Some of those decks kind of fall apart with Ragavan missing.
0: Yeah, Uro is also a glue card like that, where you can get away with a lot of bad cards in your deck as long as you have three Uros, and you can get to blue, blue, green, green reliably. I have cheated a lot of people out of their prize tickets (laughs) with just fucking 56 cards in Uro. Yeah,
2: it just becomes so much more appealing to play a blue Urza Saga deck in a lot of cases when Ragavan is no longer giving you that mana so that you can activate the saga on turn two anymore.
1: I will say one thing I found pretty funny with the Twitter discourse after the announcement was people going like, well, the non blue decks still get saga. Why? Like one thing that I find really funny about that is why do you feel that something else needs to be knocked down? Because you had a card removed from an archetype that you might play. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with the saga decks. And also like non blue could probably use the help. If you look at the overall health of legacy, how much of it's blue I don't know. It just, I, I found that to be pretty humorous and thought I'd share.
0: I I am stifling my laughter right now. Cause Brian's trying to finish talking and I'm just thinking of the like intellectual dishonesty to yourself. That's required to be like a Delver player and be like, well, blue or well, non blue still has saga wasteland. Didn't get fucking banned. What the hell? <laughs> Shut up. Like, I don't know. Like, wasteland is in the format. It, like it, it it's just like, This is the classic like Patrick Sullivan thing of like when True Name Nemesis, when everyone was complaining about True Name Nemesis, I know I've quoted this before on the cast, but if you're new, here's the story. True Name Nemesis, when it showed up in Commander, everyone was like, this card is outrageous. It should not exist. This is not a magic card. This is nothing that we've ever seen before. It should not exist. Ban it. And Patrick Sullivan was like, what if True Name Nemesis was in Tempest and Wasteland was in a Commander set in 2015? like what would the world do how would you react to a card like wasteland appearing for the first time in the format but we just accept that wasteland is part of the terms of engagement it's preposterous that card is completely busted and like that still cleanly answers urza saga and plus urza saga you know we talked about meltdown already we talked about uh dress down there's I I'm not here I'm not having it. There's a significant deck building cost to maximizing Urza Saga, and there are many clean answers if you choose to play them. And I'm I'm just not having it. Not interested in this conversation.
2: You can even go to the more fringe stuff. Like I I put a kataki into play recently, and let me tell you, I got a sick sense of satisfaction after playing that card and my opponent was playing, I don't know, it was like eight cast or something of that nature, and it was just like up. There goes 10 permanents.
1: When you look at vintage nice. and then you look at modern, uh, Dressdown sees way more play than it does in Legacy. Like it sees some Legacy play. It's not like it's non-existent, but it's not at the same levels as those other formats where Saga is a bigger deal. So I think Dressdown is actually going to be a big winner of this band that really doesn't impact a whole lot, in my opinion. But it will be a card that sees a lot more sideboard play to beat the Saga decks.
0: Yeah, my current favorite build of Bant uh, is the the four color Pokemoki style dark band. and where that list is resting right now? There's Dressdown in the main, and then Pernicious Deed and Seeds of Innocence in the sideboard. Those are three different tools that do different jobs, and all overlap in clowning Urza Saga. And like there, there's just there's a card in like every color, like Energy Flux. Put that in your blue deck if you're worried about Urza Saga. Uh, I don't know. Put a couple Wastelands in there. I love to having two wastelands in a fair blue deck, even if you can't recur them. But a lot of blue decks have loam right now. I don't know. Like the tools are there. Figure it out.
2: Speaking of tools, I love that he has been messing around with paradox zone again. I had so much fun making a video with that card because it is just this ridiculous snowballing inevitability. Uh, I think he posted a picture of literally a sixty-four, sixty-four fractal token from that thing. It's just like. Yeah, my opponent had a Jace for eight turns, but, like, I fought through it.
0: Yeah, uh, he and I talked about that because my big work, my big study session on the Dark Bant deck was when I was challenged to get a trophy in three tries for $500. I was like, okay, Uh, I've gotten less than that for top eight in premier events, so this is worth putting the work into. And I tilted my main deck towards combo, which left me a little soft to fair decks. And I was like, what card can any fair deck never beat? And it was Paradox Zone. So I shoved one Paradox Zone in the sideboard. It filled up the space of like three main deck slots that I had pivoted off of fair and into combo. And uh, Pokemoki, like over the course of my videos, was like, yep, that was impressive. And then he adopted it himself. And it's it's pretty hard to justify a card that's just for fair mirrors in a deck that's built to crush fair mirrors but it that card is just worth it i love me some paradox zone yeah
2: shout out to whichever one of you sickos out there originally donated to get me to try that card because it was a hundred percent worth it like i i played four in the video that i played with it which is
0: like obviously way too
2: many but i wanted to see how good the card was
0: the answer was good were you like ancient tooming into it or like rectoring like how how dedicated were you to this or was it just like a normal deck with four copies
2: um it was essentially a i think it was a bant mid-range deck that just used that as the finishers in place of i think like two jace and a teferi in the main deck and then one random sideboard card
0: okay yeah i also got donated to to play paradox zone and i got paired against combo five times in that league boarded out (laughs) the paradox zones every time and it literally never came into play in my video that's called bant paradox zone and then It redeemed itself in that, like, Dark Bant $500 playoff series uh, because it did show up and win a lot of games that other cards wouldn't have. All right, sidebar, since we're doing that today,
2: um, next week I have a Hangerback Walker Stacks video coming out, and the whole deck's idea was to put a bunch of counters on Hangerback Walker and then sacrifice it to a Smokestack. How many times do you think that happened in that league?
0: Well, Prismatic Ending's legal in the format, so zero. It's about right, yeah. Okay, just checking. I, I think I played
2: against four white removal decks in a row. And it was just like, I'm never going to do the thing for this poor donor. It's yeah. not going to happen. The poor thing. I think I made one Thopter max out of it.
0: It was so bad. Turns out that's just not a legacy card. Uh, there's there's a local who tries Steel Stompy every now and then. He just shows up and just shoves it in. O2 drops, leaves. Sorry, man. The That day is over. You don't get to steal stomp anymore. Buy
1: some thought monitors.
2: I've had this conversation so many times, but like chalice ain't what it used to be. You don't just steal those wins like you like you used to with a chalice.
1: So to circle back to the Urza saga uh, conversation, how do you two feel about lands and green light depths moving forward? Do you think that the Ragavan changed so so hypothetically, let's say that the cleanest solution is just swapping ragavans out for Delver because a lot of people weren't playing Delvers, hypothetically. Uh maybe there's some brazen borrowers, maybe there's some true name nemesis. How do you feel like the lands and green-white depths matchups, do they change at all? Do they get better? Do they get worse? I'm actually not sure.
0: It depends on what tool you put in that spot, which circles back to our conversation from the beginning of this, where uh, if you put true name memesis in your deck, uh, lands can't remove that card. That could like crunch through their their slow grind of Urza Saga and get over the finish line where you need it to. But Brazen Borrower answers marilage So uh, figuring out what tool you need and in what quantity, maybe it's like, One and one of those two cards, and maybe Wasteland is the tool to keep Merrill off your back, so you should focus on beating Urza Saga. And I I don't know, and that's what's exciting about this. Uh, There are questions still to be answered.
2: I think there's some interesting ideas out there right now. I played against someone yesterday who was playing a mulch and treasure hunt build of lands featuring Urza Saga. And their whole stick was that they were trying to just, like, draw as many lands as possible, poop them into play via exploration, and go wide with multiple Field of the Deads very quickly. And if Field of the Dead didn't work, Urza Saga would work. And I was pretty impressed by that from the other side of the battlefield. Um, Mulch I don't is know bold. how. Big yeah, fan. It, it was bold. Uh, I think I lost to that deck. Actually, I know I lost to that deck.
0: They're, they're trying to get Ren back into the format. Ren and Sevens plus is Mulch
2: let's go Uh, yeah so like there's there's room out there if you're willing to be like that person who is is trying the quirky stuff you're gonna lose a lot of games while you try to figure that stuff out but you know if you do make something work you're gonna look like a genius some amount of the time i was so worried all that match that my opponent was just gonna like have a mana bond or something and be able to
0: dump all of them in play at end step yeah, that's scary. I gotta co- admit right now, th- this thought is just kicking around in my head apropos of kind of our conversation, but I might just play Delver this weekend at the Buffalo Chicken Dip thing. Like, I did not play Is It Delver in a tournament once for the entire duration of ragged Advance existence, but if it's ever soft, if the shields are ever down, it's gonna be this weekend, right? Time to go get a Gaia's Cradle with just trusty old Delver.
2: I also wouldn't want to be playing the hard control deck the first weekend of a new format right you always give the control weeks about two i two weeks to figure out like okay this is really what i need to beat this is where my sideboard slots need to be so that i have all my bases covered and yeah while while people are fucking around and experimenting i think it's a great idea to be on delver right now
0: honestly i think uro and prismatic ending kind of flip that old adage of like wait two weeks to figure out how control works like Prismatic, oh, that's gonna, a good point. Yeah, prismatic Ending answers so many problems, and Uro lets you ignore so many other ones. <laughs> like I, I would be perfectly comfortable just firing in a four-color band this weekend, whether the, it be red or black on the splash. I think they're both going to be totally fine.
1: I think that this banning is also an exception to the rule, where I don't actually expect the metagame to shift all that much. I don't think there's actually any big winners or losers on this banning. I, just, I guess... I guess my uh, misspoke was uh, correct there. I just uh, guy suppose Ragavan or some bad pun there. But like outside of the Guy Ragavan deck, I don't think there's a single loser in the format. I really don't. Uh, I don't expect the metagame to shift at all. So, Brian, I would just play whatever you think the best deck in the format is. If I were you, you're definitely good enough to win with. Is it Delver? Uh, if I had to pick a one, two right now, it's blue, red Delver then Doomsday and then probably elves underneath that. And those are all decks in your wheelhouse. So you could also just roll a die, like play whatever you want.
2: Yeah, add Bant into that list. Yeah, I can also build Bant
0: to beat all three of those decks. And I I don't know, this is going to be fun. I hope people playing in this tournament uh, tomorrow at the time of release, I hope people playing in the tournament queued this up right away for some information. And I've only confused you. All right. Um, do we have any other
2: thoughts we want to kind of do about legacy before we move on to our other topic of the night?
1: I do. Uh, I've been avoiding legacy challenges since Eternal Weekend just because, like, I haven't been wanting to play. I'm looking forward to getting back to playing uh, some legacy challenges. I did win the Popper Challenge this weekend, like I said, so it's also a great weekend to switch off. Like, there's probably going to be a bunch of graveyard hate, so why not brew up some dark rituals and, you know, legacy See what I can do there. So I'm looking forward to playing Legacy again. I don't know about you guys.
2: I'm not super excited for Legacy. Like, I'm I'm going to record it. I'll have fun playing it. Right now, I'm in this awkward situation where I'm about two weeks ahead in terms of recording. And so now I have a week and a half of, not dead, but less impactful than normal Legacy videos. And that's just going to happen again to me sometime in the next couple of months when we get the next wave of, bannings and that's just a little disappointing to me
1: can we uh talk about that i think that's actually the biggest thing that i was disappointed about out of this article uh when brian and i did the end of the year wrap up with joe dyer's article series uh this week in legacy i think we both said or at least i did that the thing that i wanted was transparency and quarterly announcements for bnr again and they said maybe we'll change something in the upcoming weeks i want to know on February 18th or whatever that Monday is or whatever, that there's going to be a BNR, and r and that they'll address the state of the format. That's like something that I think everyone wants because these surprise announcements, whenever they decide to throw us a bone, they don't feel good. And they leave a lot of players wondering if they should spend money or even play Magic. I think consistency and trust in Wizards would go a long way if they just return to quarterly announcements or even something close to it.
2: I have six legacy videos upcoming that will be pre-banned content. Uh, those videos will come out up to February 7th. And I watched someone on Twitter just a couple days ago, like, finally buy their ragavans, just going like, okay, I guess the monkey's here to stay. I'm going to fire off, you know, this X number of dollars playset. And then a couple hours later, that, like, the popper announcement came out, and it was like, changes to other formats Tuesday. And they were just like, god Damn it! Why? It it stings. It feel it it's feel bad on a number of levels. I get wanting to have the flexibility in of banning things when thing like when like the time is right, but more more transparency, more well written, informative things like we're seeing from the popper format panel where it's like we're watching these things. That stuff's great. Do more of that, wizards. We like that.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, banning as needed, leaving that door open. Like, the concept of an emergency ban was a thing that existed in Magic's history for a long time. There were a few cards that got emergency banned. Just off-cycle, this card's too good, get rid of it. I kind of like the ability to actively manage formats with ban list, but the the trust component of well-written articles, check-in. I, I don't know if that's, like, every Friday on the mothership, someone just says, like, yeah, we're looking at Legacy, FYI. Like, we, we, we're aware of the... The turbulence, but no action at this time. I, I don't know how much it would take to earn that trust, but, uh, I mean, letting it rot for seven months is a giant breach of trust. Uh, didn't like that, but, uh, it, it is, I, I don't know, uh, but I also didn't like, remember Protor Oko? Uh, When it like it was the Oko standard format where everyone knew Oko was busted and would be banned, but it was it wasn't cycle time. So the pro tour was just Oko mirrors all day long for the whole weekend. Like that sucked, too. Uh, it, It just sucks in both directions. I don't know.
1: So I think that you can have quarterly updates, but that doesn't mean you can't have emergency bans. Like if another breach were to come out and Wizards three weeks in goes, oh, this was a huge mistake. We need to ban this. They have that power they can go okay we're still going to do our quarterly announcement uh next month but we felt like we needed to remove this now that's completely But that undermines
0: wrong. the point of the quarterly announcement which is like we were just saying like i bought my ragavans i know they're safe until september 26th or whatever jk emergency ban like in emerge I, I don't know like that the point of i mean if we don't get an update at all for it for 6 months Having the quarterly accountability where they have to say like we've looked at legacy and this is what we think uh that's nice to keep that accountability, but you don't get it both ways on the quarterly ban I know my cards are safe for three months versus go ahead and use an emergency ban if you need to that that part of the equation doesn't work, okay. I like bands that keep people invested with the format
2: and and happy with the format there's there's been a lot of Sadness, apathy, discontent with Legacy. Um, losing, losing a lot of players, um, kind of, from the the Oko timeline onward. Um, due to either fire design, um, just kind of the format becoming stale, you know, people moving on, COVID happening, whatever. Like, I want people to be excited about Legacy, and I want our challenges to fire because people are happy to be playing Legacy. Not because Wizards is like, okay, yeah, we'll half the number of people required for you to fire it.
1: I did find that to be kind of funny because like now after they fixed it, it probably would hit 64 players consistently. So they're just denying prizes to the people from 30 second on or is it 16 to 32 i can't remember but basically there's it
2: it pays out to top 32 instead of top 64 okay
1: so 17 to 32 get 150 play points back who cares uh but now you're just denying these people that that like i guess your events will fire even when the format sucks now uh so that's the silver lining but you're just denying extra prizes moving forward because like they're likely to hit 70 people on saturday mornings or whatever there this would the lower number would help get the the
0: person who didn't show up because it's not gonna fire back in the queue like this was a thing that used to happen all the time i used to be on a a team draft text chain where just any hour of any day the pittsburgh crew could be like team draft and if we got six we would show up somewhere and fire it and the number of times we would have five people committed and then four people saying i'll commit when we get or we would have four people committed and then five people say I'll commit when we get five. Like I'll be the sixth. It's like, there's five of you idiots. Two of you say yes, but they're all like, I ah, know I'm not going to commit until like it's locked. <laughs> like we can lock it now. Like I guarantee there's some amount of that effect. Uh, like how many people, like maybe it's two, maybe it's 30 who just like didn't bother setting an alarm on Saturday because it's not going to fire anyway. But now they know it is going to fire. And I don't know. We We're going to collect all of
1: them. I do think one thing that would be really nice because as many of you know, magic online is being recoded right now or redeveloped by an external gaming company. If they just did something that every player wants, which just scaling prizes like it's a super easy thing to code, but for some reason, whoever's cousin they paid to code magic online just like they don't do it the right. Like, it either has to be 32 or 64 or nothing in between when in reality, it's one line of code that can make that scale. It's super simple.
0: I'm pretty sure the person coding MTGO is Richard Garfield and who drew stasis. Like those are her two contributions to magic. All right. Shall we move on to the next topic or do we have more Richard Garfield facts first?
1: I've actually heard a story that the person that did stasis <laughs> hates the art and won't sign them. So if you can find a sign stasis, they're super rare because she's like, yeah, it's trash. I don't like it. Uh, wow. That's at least what they say in the art community. And I've always been like, "Wow, it must suck to hate something you did that much so that you won't sign them."
0: I have one more Richard Garfield thing that I'm not sure if I should say, but I'm going to. And I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. Uh, I heard this, so you all have to. I saw a tweet about a month ago, a month and a half, where someone was like, "Wow, Richard Garfield put his whole Garfussy into making Magic: The Gathering, didn't he?" And I probably think about that and laugh at least once a day. So now that's in your brain. Enjoy that
2: all right so remember that part where i said i allowed that we're we're, we're just gonna have phil edit that out and we're oh we're no
0: <laughs> jk okay phil use your judgment uh either edit that or don't or make a rap about it wink wink uh up to you oh my god
2: all right podcast is canceled no sponsors will ever take us again
1: i mean if they didn't cancel us after tasha's heinous anus we're fine
2: oh god damn it oh <laughs> Okay, that was the thing that happened.
1: So there was an announcement today. I don't know if the two of you saw it. Star City Games is dropping strategy content. Pete, uh, Pete Hoffling or Hoffling, however you say his last name, uh, announced, and honestly, probably overshared a little bit in that announcement. I don't know if the two of you read it, but gave some of the personal details between the Cedric uh, leaving Star City. And I was like, that's weird that he would just share this and then keep uh, writer names protected uh, and author's protected, but then say all this stuff about Cedric, it came across very odd to me. Maybe I don't understand uh, their company philosophy, but I thought it was strange. Uh,
0: I I read that part as Cedric leaving was like, uh, I was already on the fence and losing the powerhouse that is Cedric put it over the, the line. Like, I didn't read it as since Cedric pulled the rug out from under us. I read it as like, uh, since this wonderful person moved on and I can't do it without him. Uh, that's how i read that okay
2: yeah that 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 article felt very personal to me that was that was very much a like hey this is happening you know i'm going to level with you here, here here's everything or uh, almost everything rather you know you don't want to lay out an article that's like you know these people effectively lost their jobs today those, those 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 people can talk about it on their respective social medias
0: with with the covid situation and the removal of the mpl and just all of these reasons that competitive magic is not driving business over the last two years, Star City does have a deep stable of well-paid writers. I have written for them freelance, and they do pay well. Uh, I'm surprised that they're a- they're able to justify the cost of their content all the time because uh, they they do hook it up. And uh, Pete Hoefling said that people just aren't reading competitive content right now. There's no road to the Pro Tour. There's no incentive to click on these articles and buy the cards because you don't need decks. It's COVID world. There's nothing to play. Uh, And for that reason, they significantly reduced their strategic content. There will still be strategy content, but it won't be their bread and butter anymore. They're going to lean into other sort of casual or uh, I imagine entertainment content. It wasn't particularly clear, but I wouldn't be surprised if like we get like an scg version of mtg remy or someone just doing skits or like funny magic videos that are not particularly content related at all but uh yeah he he said that strategic content is not going to be the focus and a lot of their writers are not going to continue on with them after february circling back to something i said at the beginning of this episode right
2: like Every time that I publish like, high-level strategy content, like tutoring leagues, or every time Brian did something like um, Wizards School, or uh, what was the other one you did? Uh, deep Analysis. Or, or Deep Analysis. Like Those are the videos that flopped on our channels. The, the high-level strategy content does not have as generic of appeal as other magic-related content does. I think from a business perspective, this is a wonderful decision. Like I, as an individual, I'm very sad to see this content goes. Um, I had SCG premium for years and years and years, uh, mostly because I lived in Roanoke and they handed it out like candy there. Um, but like I, I read so many article, articles on Star City, like I know a lot of those writers either personally or kind of secondhand. Uh, I'm, I'm sad to see those people not writing anymore, and I hope that many of them go on to find other things where they can still do what they're doing. But from a business perspective, I don't think there's a shadow of a doubt that, like, that's a good business decision for the company.
1: I agree 100%. And I think from Pete's perspective, like, you have to do it. But also, if you look at card prices over COVID... I wouldn't be shocked if standard staples just didn't move because who's playing paper standard, especially in an era of arena. But if you track card prices, commander is pretty much the only thing that drove the card market throughout COVID. So if you focused on the casual aspect of magic, which is probably where the real money is, if we're being honest, that's where you're going to do well. It's commander content because that's what magic Twitter, I'd say over 50% of magic Twitter is just commander people talking. Uh, and that's what people want to read that's what casuals want casuals have the most money because i'm sure brian probably spends a lot of money on magic throughout the course of the year but brian is also someone that owns a lot of magic cards and is super competitive and probably spends less than somebody who's willing to buy three booster boxes for the latest set rare or whatever okay yeah the
0: I, the professor at talarian community college his whole brand is telling people to buy singles he is first and foremost, a consumer uh, critic. And his thing is, don't open packs, you idiots, buy singles, because there are so many people out there who need to hear that. I was told in many different ways by many different store owners over the years that I am not their best customer. Uh, some just kind of uh, I, like, you you get in a relationship with uh, a store owner, and you're like, you know, uh, you know, between you and me, that price is a little high. I would be interested if it were lower, and I don't know. And through various ranges of politeness, it's either like, oh, smile and nod, or shout at you. You're not my best customer. Like, tournament players are the worst, was uh, a direct quote from a store owner. Uh, like, you guys cost me money. I run events for you. I put up prizes for you, and you don't buy shit. Like, I'm lucky to get something out of the vending machine from you while you're here in the store. And it, it's like the whale you never see. Just some guy you've never seen in a magic tournament in your life who comes in and just drops eight grand on a flat of boxes every time a set comes out. Like, that—that's that's who is buying cards. Okay.
2: So I want to make sure this doesn't come off as an insult. I don't mean this to be insulting in any way. But, like, let, let's pull another content creator. So let, let's take someone like Pleasant Kenobi. I'm just going to, like, pull off some of his, like, random video titles here. Like, does Watsy even care? The bands are coming. Re- reserve lists are dumb. Stop it. Uh, Facing my demons. Pile of shame. Uh, I do not understand. Referring to secret lairs. Um, his videos have way more views than our videos do. Right? Uh, just, like, looking at some of these, like, 21,000, 53,000. Like, a, a lot of these just, like, absolutely go to the moon. And this is not strategic content in any way, right? But the casual magic player who's just thumbing through YouTube is going to be like, I don't understand. Well, what don't I understand? What's going on with this secret layer? And is going to click that thumbnail, right? So, like, there is more of a market for these types of videos than there is for the gameplay videos that we are making. And I bet if I were to look at Pleasant Kenobi's, like, numbers for gameplay videos versus, like, random other videos i I bet the gameplay numbers are smaller
0: yeah uh nikachu is another mtg youtuber uh just scrolling through his recent videos uh awesome mtg easter eggs that explain the lore and like the thumbnail is a before and after picture of some pretty looking female princess character and a scary looking tree folk and oh uh zooming in i think this is uh eating the person and the person Lurgoif 8 as their like card. And the next one is like dumbest MTG thieves. And the, the thumbnail is like Nick's face, like making like, oh, oh my god, face, and like a picture of a beta black lotus and some grainy uh camera footage from a game store. Like these are the things that are exciting to click on if you're if you don't really care about the gameplay but you like the the history or like the the community. Oh uh woman dates nerdy MTG champion and regrets it with a picture of shadow mage infiltrator with the word nerd written across the front from that time. 10 years ago. How many, how many views does that one have? 86,000. God. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and like if you weren't playing magic back then, uh, some, some person like had a, a blind date with John Finkel and then she turned out to write for like Buzzfeed or whatever, or like some, uh, pseudo journalist journalism site and just wrote an article about like lol i went on a date with a guy turns out he's the biggest nerd on the planet like a celebrity among nerds lol and this was like a thing that went viral for a
1: while i think my favorite thing about that was that the like one of her closing remarks is was i went on a date with johnny fucking magic i'm like at least she learned his name like (laughs) yes you refer to him as johnny fucking magic and
0: uh, we don't need to relitigate this whole thing, but I'm pretty sure she just like played the nerds. Like it was just like a giant troll thing that generated tons of clicks. Like I I shared the article on Facebook or whatever our platform was back then. Like I everyone I know did. But yeah, like this sort of content, if you hadn't heard that story before, you're probably like, oh, sweet. And I mean, those things exist. Uh, as far as Star City, though, um, I can definitely say that without Star City's strategic content brian Koval, the magic player and boston roll the brand would not be things that you know about like whoever you are out there if you've ever thumbed past my my youtube or listened to this podcast or follow me on twitter you would not know my name and the boston roll brand would not exist without star city strategic content propping me up in my high school and college days where i was really cutting my teeth trying to get better nothing has compared in history to the consistency and legacy of the things that they have put out over time and it is a big loss though Uh, i get it for all the reasons we just discussed oh
2: yeah like we i think we can all tell our like sentimental stories of like how important like the scg sunday legacy opens were and like we enjoyed like watching those or playing in those i i and not just scg like channel fireball strategic content as well like I was definitely inspired by reading some of those things those people were doing. Uh, like a lot of Jerry Thompson and Sam Black articles in particular, like stand out to me as as things that were just like very useful for my development as a strategic
0: magic player. Yeah, I remember uh, Jordy Tate, uh, kind of a, a smaller name in the history of magic, but he was a really solid writer for a while. And when he quit writing, he did this massive middle finger in the air sign off uh his last article was basically like um it was by a cishet white man calling out cishet white men in the magic community and i was like 22 or whatever when that article came out and very much not aware of my privilege and stuff and i can honestly say that article changed my life which is not something that i could say about a lot of magic articles or Magic Adjacent articles, and a lot of places probably wouldn't have published that. But things like that that just really stand out are part of the the SCG history in our brains, and I hope that when Magic rebounds post-COVID, they can ramp it up again, because that was so important to so many people, just the the stuff they put out over time. I mean, honestly, that really
2: kind of feels like an end note there, folks. Uh, Do we have anything else we kind of want to say on the topic, or just kind of let it ride there?
1: I think that was a good ending. Yeah,
0: we can end it. We're out.
3: All that Richard got fussy so slick, got yeah, the magic walk planes don't slip. All that Richard got fussy so slick, got yeah, the magic walk planes don't slip. Just do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it now, man of flood. Richard got fussy, this game so good. Pipe it down, it's so good. Richard got fussy, as magic intended. My deck, the stack. Richard got fussy, back like hogack. It protect, it attack, Richard got fussy back like Hogak My deck, the stack, Richard got fussy back like Hogak It protect, it attack, Richard got fussy back like gack. Playing this game like Garfield intended Cast the stasis, make a stay in suspension Can't get a signature that are too absurd Call me Johnny, fucking Magic King of the Nerds This got fussy got no time for monkeys Banned after seven months, super unlucky No one could have seen that it would be a problem Making men at drawing cards, creep spells to stop them They wrote the same paragraph citing the reason That we gave them before eternal weekend My deck, the stack Richard got fussy back like Hogak It protect, it attack Richard got fussy back like Hogak My deck, the stack Richard got fussy back like Hogak It protect, it attack Richard got fussy back like Hogak